We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Save big money at Menards. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. and um, good thing. And apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. We are here till two o'clock, whether you like it or not. Mark, how you doing today? You did did the grocery store venture go okay? I I want people to know you you did the video selfie video video selfie production plan uh, for the show while walking in the sunshine to your grocery store, and I'd say that multitasking at its best. Back just in time it was a calculated (laughs) risk that i was taking i got to the point where i had done enough prep and i'm just sitting there like well what am i gonna do now i was like i gotta get out of my place i wanted to get out in the sunshine for a second so i said do i can i can i do this can i go get a big bag of coffee at the grocery store right now and i did it and i am back in time to be with you here today where we get to talk all about the Cubs and the White Sox and the Bears and John Lester and Steve what I've learned about John Lester 
is that when John Lester is bad, he's atrocious. That since since he <laughs> since he became a cub, really, you could go back since he became a cub in 2015 uh-huh. when he arrived with dead arm. Remember that way back in 2015, he arrived with dead arm, had a shaky start to his career with the Cubs, had some atrocious games before he got himself to get every year. He's had games where we're like, what the hell is that? Uh, where he's out before the the fifth inning and everybody questions John Lester and then the next start or maybe two starts later he's back to being John Lester so I have learned to ultimately not worry about John Lester when he has an atrocious game because I'd say it's been since about I'm going to say 2018 where everybody was on the John Lester demise watch, like, is he getting older? You know, it's a little <laughs> bit of, right, a little bit of velocity. Then he'll have a bad game, and everybody will be like, oh, he's cooked. He's done. We got to and, – and that's happening again right now. You hear everybody saying, tweeting, writing, hmm, I don't know. This this could be the one for Le- – it's not. Lester will be fine. Is as, as horrid as he, as he was last night. Or, or do you say the White Sox were just good? Uh, the White Sox were just good. The White Sox were doing very White Sox things. Here's we, two things we learned. They when they're the opposite of Le- or they're similar to Lester. When they're good, they're really good, and when they're bad, they're wretched. They have two six-game winning streaks. They're going to be they they have every sign of being a young team with some pitching, but not enough. And the young pitching, it's the kind of thing where you, well, you know what? How about if we hit. Eight home runs for Lopez today, because he's the guy who needs all the home <laughs> runs. They only needed Louis Robert to hit the home run yesterday, and that was it. That would have been enough for Dallas Keuchel. And you need the runs for the guy who maybe the biggest enigma in the rotation is Lopez, because you so need him. You so depend on him. He was so important in reconstructing this team. The, the White Sox were doing what the White Sox do. It's Chicago. It's late August, it's warm, it's home run season. And the White Sox don't care what what park they're playing in, they're gonna hit home runs. And that's the way yesterday looked, and especially a team that eats up left-handers. So I think the White Sox are, I I think they're gonna be alternately thrilling and aggravating. They'll be be head-scratching. Isn't that the way they've been so far? No doubt about it. I mean, there's been, after, they had the hot start, and then they, when they settled down, I think White Sox Nation was beginning to to panic a little bit about that team. But last night, last night was an important win for the White Sox, and here's why: for for a few reasons, I'll give you three reasons why it was an important win. Number one, the the theme, the motif of the White Sox, and even at times the Cubs was they haven't beat anybody. They haven't not. I mean, they, they're nine and one against Detroit and Kansas city. And yeah, you can attach some legitimacy to it. So then they go out and they beat a real starter in John Lester and they beat a real damn team in the Chicago Cubs. Not only do they beat them, they dominate them from, from head to toe, from one to nine, they beat up on the Cubs and made a mockery of that game last night to the point where David Ross said, wave the, the white flag that used to belong to the White Sox and said, that's it, I'm pulling my starters, this game is over. Number two, that game ended up being on national TV last night because the Yankees weren't on, so there was a national TV outlet carrying the game. Not that the world was necessarily watching Cubs-White Sox on a, on a Friday night in August, but it was uh, a nationally televised game. And then the other part, too, was, it is, yeah, it is Cubs-White Sox. And that was, to me, that was like the White Sox introducing themselves to the Cubs, saying, hey, 
look at us. We're kind of like you now because we've got all these young, talented players that are on the come, and we might be at this point matching your talent. So here, here we are now. Entertain us. That's what the White Sox were saying when they were at Wrigley Field last night. So I don't want to be dramatic, but it, it it was an important win for the White Sox. That's interesting. The the one of the things that had been in the air is with Cubs Sox in advance of that, that you would naturally think of is where are these White Sox compared to the Cubs are? Because they followed the same kind of template as, as best they could, as best the way teams do these days. So is this, and you can make comparisons to the, the these White Sox, 2020 White Sox and 2015 Cubs. And then you look at, okay, is Dallas Keuchel their John Lester? And you look at some of the other the veterans they brought in to hit, to be, to whatever they needed with the way the team was built, with the way the team existed. And then you saw that kind of youthful exuberance that the Cubs had in 2015. You were around it. So I wanted to ask you, do you, do you see similarities or is that just an easy media narrative that, that works for the, the cup that needs drool cups? Of course it's an easy narrative. However, (laughs) it is, it is similar. I guess here's the differences. In 2015, it was like one by one the Cubs players started to be brought up. They weren't all there to begin the season like they are with the White Sox. So there was kind yeah. of this dramatic march of Cubs players. Come Here comes Chris Bryant. Here comes Addison Russell, so on and so forth. There was the completely unexpected domination being pulled off by Jake Arrieta. Now, Jake Arrieta had been good with the Cubs, but nobody expected him to do what he did that year. And there's not going to be somebody on the White Sox like that this year, I don't think. And yes, Dallas Keuchel has been really good. Giolito has been really good since the opening game against Minnesota. So there are some, like if you want to get into the minutia, there are some differences. The similarity of the is is there yeah absolutely i mean you got young kids who just come up they don't know the proverbial we don't know any better and we're just going to have fun and we're going to do it and we're going to show everybody i remember i mean when you saw the white Sox when they were out when edwin encarnacion is up at the plate and you see aloy jimenez and luis roberts and jose abreu all just with with ear to ear grins on their faces laughing at edwin encarnacion because of a swing that he took that was not dissimilar to the way the Cubs comported themselves, you know, in the dugout, in in the lot with the with the dance parties after every single win under Joe Madden. And those are things that maybe you don't do five, six years later, but when you're that age, you do. So yeah, of course. I mean, and and here's the here's the huge similarity, is that the the Cubs like go to 2016 when the Cubs did win, as good as the pitching was the run differential was monstrous for the Cubs. It was like, I felt like every game was nine to two and they would score three, four runs from about the sixth inning on. And that's what the White Sox are starting to do, win with offense and then make the pitching, you know, make it easy for the pitchers. Remember with the Cubs, like back in the day, they there was times when they the run differential was so hefty that they had to start bringing in closers just to get work in games even if it was a five or so you bring in your high leverage guys because oh my god 
you know, you know, Hector Rondon is not getting any work. Aroldis Chapman, when he gets come to the Cubs, we're going to put you in in this 16-8 to game because we need you to get some work. And then, of course, pissed off Aroldis Chapman, but that's another story. So, so yeah, man, of course. Of course there are similarities, but there are differences as well. Well, Steve Stone tweeted out, among the things he tweeted out yesterday, the the – uh, idea that not the idea the fact that only three teams have a better run differential than our Sox Steve Stone says and he made other points only three teams have hit more home runs only three teams have more hits only three teams have a higher batting average only five teams have a better ERA so the run differential is there but there was another part that ran counter to um, to the Cubs comparison of 2015 was what happened last night. And I keep going back to the idea that the Cubs won an August series against the Giants that turned everything around. They swept yep. that series. Joe, Joe Madden started managing like it was the playoffs, and, and he told his team it was the playoffs. This is what's going on. And Jason Hamill got yanked four and two-thirds innings into a game where you thought he'd at least get a chance to, to get the win, as useless as the stat might be. So last night, Ricky Renteria leaves inexplicably leaves Dallas Keuchel in for 114 pitches when asked why. I mean, this is this is a game coming under slaughter rules, if they had slaughter rules. And and I nobody knew why, and it was just stunning. And Ricky Renteria afterwards says he wanted it. He wanted to keep going. Oh, no. You have an opportunity to let a guy that's been wanting to eat up a few more innings and continue to build up. He felt good, and we allowed him to go ahead and do it. Well, we all know that every pitcher wants to do it. Every pitcher lies. Every pitcher says they want the ball. The reason the manager is there is to be the adult in the room. The last time Dallas Keuchel threw at least 114 pitches was April 25, 2017. That's almost three and a half years ago. He threw 117 against Cleveland. So... You're, you're not in your window prime anymore, Toto, and I just don't get that. That's a major difference, and that brings into play the manager when you compare what the Sox are doing this year to what the Cubs did in 2015. And I guess there'll, be, there'll always be questions about Ricky Renteria winning until he finally wins. That's where we are. Here's my conspiracy theory on why oh, he kept wow, Dallas Oh, wow, look at you. I'm yesterday. ready to embrace it, whatever it is. You ready? This I'm is ready. it. So... Reynaldo Lopez is the projected, the scheduled White Sox starter today. I have a feeling today is going to be a bullpen day for the White Sox, no matter what Reynaldo Lopez does, that he's going to be held on a pitch count today, whereas clearly Dallas wasn't. So I think that Ricky Venturia was preserving the bullpen last night, and he sold himself out by saying that Dallas Keuchel wanted it. I think today turns into a bullpen day one way or the other for the Chicago White Sox. You buy uh, I don't I don't disagree that that played a part in it, but that's still irresponsible. You're not going to you have really two pitchers you can rely on. Two starting pitchers. I would not I would not endanger one of them, meaning Keuchel, for to, to be able to have my entire bullpen ready for a game that that um, Lopez is going to pitch because then you got Gio, Hernan- Gio Gonzalez right behind him. So you, you, you have essentially have two starters there. And 
the bullpen was going to be used, but it wasn't close. You weren't going to – anybody you would have used last night would be irrelevant or you might as well use them tonight because it would be the same thing. It would be a blowout either way. Nobody you – were, you weren't going to use anybody last night. The game would be close. So that's what you're looking at in a bullpen game. You're going to patch it together to finally get to the, the back end of the bullpen that you trust in the sixth, in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. I just don't – I just don't understand it. I, maybe Dallas Keiko will – will be fine. Maybe he is the kind of guy who can withstand it and wants it. But again, he had not thrown 114 or more pitches since April of 2017. So I, I just, I, I don't, it, it raises more questions in people's minds about the manager, but more, managers have to win and then they're finally winners. That's the way it is. I guess they're always going to have questions. He's, uh, he's Mark Rody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We are Saturday Suckage. We are broadcasting live. It's us, live. From, okay. Hyundai, from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And we thank them for sponsoring our various and sundry living accommodations from which we're broadcasting. Our Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. The Tech Zone number is the same as the phone number that nobody uses to call us on this sports call-in show, 312-644-6767. You can get to us there. And I think nothing underlines, nothing underscores, nothing puts reds, gold, green stars next to Saturday suckage than this tweet from Mailman Nuts, N-U-T-Z. Thanks, suckage, you guys are back together. Last week with Tom Thayer, there was no suckage no matter how hard Steve tried. Suck on. So I think that we appeal to our letter carriers and certainly sympathize with what's going on in the U.S. Postal Service and how it is being used as a political football and as as treacherously as possible. But we thank our mail care, our letter carriers, for listening. But I also think the fact that you were on last week, Mark, and it was not Tom Thayer, but somebody thought Tom Thayer was on, I think speaks to the suckage level of our audience, and kudos to our audience for keeping up with class. For keeping well, I, with class. I was finally able to issue a formal in-person apology to Tom Thayer, who has been out at Bears camp, as have I. So really? Watching the game. Yeah, oh, yep, yep, we've been out there socially distanced, heavy mask wearing, but I saw Thayer. We were watching along the sidelines, and I just said, hey, I don't want to make this awkward, but really sorry if we hurt any of your credibility by having you on the show, by co-hosting the show. I know that that <laughs> tends to dirty people. And he just kind of like took a moment, and he said, all right, that's cool. And we're, we're cool now. Um, there was like a socially distanced hug, but things are things are good with good old number 57, and you and I, well, you might need to make a personal apology, but I feel like I have been forgiven by the 85 bear, one of the 100 greatest bears of all time in time I, there. I, I can't apologize for, it's what I am. It's what, it's what yeah, we you are. Yeah, you are who Saturday you are. He didn't, he didn't come in surprised. Uh, he, he did come in and say that he listens to the show and that he particularly loves Espo talking about the 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 open Thayer loves where Espo says stink stank 
stunk. <laughs> I do too. I do yeah. too. I mean, I in general in life, I like alliterations, but really that one, the syncopation in that one, the staccato style with which Espo delivers it is just beautiful, as if it was scripted, but it wasn't. Okay. At least I don't think a, it was. I have, um, I have a, a, a text here from Spilkus. So Spilkus says Uh-oh. that... Um, I might too, then. And this comes from the south side. Can you tell them, meaning us, to look at the Sox schedule, and they would know that there are two days off next week, so Dallas could go longer, meaning Keiko. Only theory they have not mentioned. Right. That might Well, be, that well, might ex- well. No, 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 but that might exist, that might not. Two days off doesn't, doesn't necessarily guarantee that a guy who might hurt himself throwing pitches 110 through 114 or one, what, you know, 105 through 114, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be okay. I'm telling you what the manager said, and that's what we're discussing. Now, that might well be true. The manager should say that. We got some days off coming up. We thought we could stretch him out. He wanted to be stretched out. He'd get some extra time, and we'll see how that goes. Then again, I'm not sure how Dallas Keiko does on seven days rest. I haven't checked that out. The, the, the idea is that's what the manager said, and, and that's what we were talking about. So anyways, we'll, we'll take a break. When we come back, um, the, the Bears are going to put on pads today, Mark. The Bears are going to put on pads today, right? You're going to put them back on? All right, because that's nothing new. They've they've been do. I have been there, so they've been doing that. They were less padded yesterday, but the pads are back on today. And uh, I will be back out there tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So they are seven days a week, baby, which means I'm seven days a week. So let's discuss that what happens with and without pads and, and as they rate the quarterback. And you brought up Tom Thayer, and... Today was kind of kind of felt like it should have been Tom Thayer's meeting deadline. Maybe this weekend is the weekend the Bears coaches meet Tom Thayer's deadline. We'll discuss that and more. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to be the best player I could possibly be. I'm trying to prove everybody wrong. So all those things... Uh, it's just fuel to the fire, and I'm I'm throwing it on, mm. and uh, and I'm taking that edge to me with practice every single day to prove everybody wrong. So, it's 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 most motivating, but I have to turn it into something positive, and I think that's what I've done. And I think keeping that perspective uh, has a lot has allowed me to just stay positive, and at the end of the day, just be thankful that we're still able to play this game. Chill, dude. Yeah, you should be. Yes, you should be thankful you played the game for however long Matt Nagy lets you play it before he names Nick Foles the starting quarterback. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Saturday suckage. We are we are on till 11. At the top of the hour, we'll talk with Jim Morgales of Sox Machine. And 1230, we'll talk with Mark Gonzalez, who covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. So we'll talk some baseball. But... The Bears are, I don't know, everybody's trying to talk up Mitch, it sounds like. Everybody's watching this competition. So what happened was on Thursday in a goal line drill, Mitch Trubisky took a sack. 
and Matt Nagy called them a called that a critical error. He'll fix that problem and he'll move on and he'll do better tomorrow. Well, on Friday he apparently did do better tomorrow. He threw one out of bounds. So, congratulations for throwing the ball away. I don't know what Pat Mahomes would have done in that situation, but I think that that would not have been the high bar, the idea of throwing the ball away. Mark, describe the Thursday and then Friday and where this sits, since that's topic number one when you talk to the Bears, a quarterback competition. First of all, people are not talking about Mitch. That's not happening this year. Like Matt Nagy is not speaking in glowing terms about him. He is speaking in a very ambiguous fashion, in fact, in when asked about his progress and his ability to read defenses, he's saying, we still don't know, we still got to look, and maybe he just doesn't want to tell us what he knows already, whether positive or negative. But there seems mm. to have been a, a philosophy from the coaches to not speak in glowing terms. The only one that has really spoken in really glowing terms was Cordero Patterson talking yeah. about that he's a different guy and that he is a leader this year so let's let's get that out of there right away because I've, I've heard people saying that that oh yeah it's just this glowing no it's not it it, it, it has not been that at all um, one thing too that I've noticed about Matt Nagy and to the point where I don't know that we reporters are getting any information whether it's a worthwhile question to even ask anymore because when we ask about one quarterback what Matt Nagy has done is talk about both so hey uh, Mitch Trubisky looked pretty good today. Yeah, he did. He looked really good today. So did Nick Foles. Nick Foles looked really good today as well. Um, oh, Mitch ran out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, he did. That was a bad idea. You know, Nick Foles has made mistakes too. So he, I, I have not been able to get an inch in terms of any favoritism out of Nagy. And my my philosophy is, or my thought is, is that is by design, that they aren't going to give away anything publicly, even though they said, and perhaps they have been, that they said they were going to be transparent about it with these guys. When you suck, you suck. And I guess one of the examples was getting down on Matt, uh, on Mitchell Trubisky for running out of bounds. So, so yeah, let's, let's scrap that from the motif that, that somehow like this is like business as usual with Trubisky that we are speaking about him in glowing terms that ain't happening. Yeah. You know, I was looking exactly, I had printed out the Cordero Patterson uh, quote. He actually looks a whole, like a whole new player. And it just sounded like, you know, I, I just sounded like such blowing smoke up his, of his backside. <laughs> and, oh yeah. And I, and I kept coming back to two things is the guy needs the constant reinforcement. They're really, worried about whatever his focus is, mental approach, emotional approach, whatever it is. And the more Trubisky talks, the more Tebow-ish he sounds. There's a there's a, a tone, a, a inflection, a pace. It just sounds like Tim Tebow, which is which is not a good thing in my book. And and then the coaches, it's an excellent point about the the both sides ism where whatever he says about one quarter, they're doing everything they can not to give away which way they're leaning or which way they've already decided, but they can't make it public. Which brings me to what Tom Thayer said, your new virtual friend, Tom Thayer, a couple weeks ago, when he was on the show and he said they should, seven to nine practices in, the Bears should know who their quarterback is. Now, they don't necessarily have to name him. We kind of want that. 
Maybe the team wants that. Maybe it doesn't want that. Maybe the coaches want that. Maybe the coaches know. But that's what Thayer said. And aren't we in that area, the seven to nine practices? And here comes a padded practice today. And and that's when that's when a lot of things get revealed and a lot of weaknesses get exposed if the defense is playing without a script. It's just playing defense. I will ask tomorrow. I mean, that, that's been on my mind tomorrow, obviously, being the Sunday practice. I want to ask Matt Nagy if he wants to know by the, let's say, the end of next week. Now, I don't know if they will want to answer the question. They, When the question was first asked, and I think it's only been asked once about a timeline, Nagy said that they want to extend it as far as they possibly can to get the full 50-50 look. But Thayer's right. Thayer's right. I mean, you want you want the team to know just as much as the player to know who the starting quarterback is so they can all act accordingly. You know what I mean? So that they can be in line with that guy and he can get the reps and, there's, and we don't see another Tyler Bray pass thrown during the training camp portion because you're just because of the correct... I mean, because of the compromised OTAs, it's just... It's just not necessary. One thing about Trubisky's tone, and we heard some of that coming into this segment, I will say this, that that has been different as well. He's had a a legitimate last call tone to his sound bites this year. There's been some of the, the Mitch as usual, but there's been more urgency, more. I get it. I get that I wasn't good last year. I get that this might be my last year with the Bears. So he is out there comporting himself a little bit differently. I mean, what Cordero Patterson said, that's the one thing that you could you can read into and maybe take seriously about what Cordero Patterson said because he actually took a slight shot at Mitch in saying that he didn't feel that from him last year, that he felt maybe Cordero did not feel that leadership from him last year. And when Mitch responded to what Cordero Patterson said, he straight up said, yeah, I guess maybe I didn't do a good enough job with everybody last year. Like, I didn't convince Cordero Patterson. So there, there is a different tone to Mitch. I can't tell you right now if there is a different quarterback in Trubisky. And I know that ultimately that's what I do. everybody cares about. No, At this point, I get it. Nobody cares about the leadership stuff, the peripheral stuff. It's all about can you read a defense and can you interpret and act out Matt Nagy's offense? Don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, the and, and the one thing we're not privy to, um, despite your proximity to Hallis Hall and the coaches and the players and despite <clears throat> our long... <clears throat> our long national nightmare of trying to evaluate quarterbacks and not really knowing what they look like it is is that we don't know the play that was called we don't know the reads that were there and sometimes the coaches i mean that Nagy pretty much admitted it that they don't even deal with changes adjustments fixes tweaks on the field much they wait to look at the film with everybody and they look at the film and then check the depth on the receiver. Did he run the right route? Was the defender in the wrong place, in the right place? What what should the quarterback have seen compared to what he did see on which he made a decision? And when you talked about decision-making, that's what it gets back to. So we are working so blind in so much of this. But the one thing we're not working blind on is this. No matter what Matt Nagy calls in practice no matter what Mitch Trubisky does. Trubisky practices like a professional 
and he can't play that way. That knowledge doesn't transfer those reads, that cover that that progress of of thinking and and being able to translate stuff from the practice field to the real to a game to the real field. That just hasn't been there. And unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever see it until he I'm not sure we're going to see it at all. I've got no reason to think we will, but you really have no chance of seeing it until you put him in an actual game. And can the Bears afford to do that? I think all these things are all part of the frustration and in not getting to games as soon as we can. And there won't be any games until Detroit, until it really counts, right? Yeah, and this is why people who are talking about the Bears right now have to catch up that it's they're not <laughs> they're, like honestly they're not doing the whole. Mitch is practicing great, and he looks wonderful. Like, Matt Nagy is not saying that. Coaches are not saying that about Mitchell Trubisky right now. Everybody gets that. We can't. The platitudes can't exist in that regard anymore. Reporters can't be like, wow, he, he threw a bomb in Pat. Like, because, as you said correctly, it hasn't translated to the game. So, yeah, everybody needs to catch up with what's going on. It's kind of, it's been a, so far... It's been a new day in terms of how they're talking about Trubisky and to your point as well about the evaluation process. Nagy said confidently yesterday during our Zoom call with with us that, yes, the majority of the actual evaluation is going on in backstage, in the tape rooms, and sitting down with the offense and analyzing it. It's So what we are seeing... on. Like, we can give you some stuff with, with our naked eyes and looking. And by the way, they practice on the far field a lot of the time. So we, we have a very binocular needing view from from what we're doing. A, a lot of what's going on is happening backstage as it normally does with NFL teams these days because that's where the evaluation occurs. So, yeah, it's I, I, am, I was thinking about this before the show. I can't wait to hear what the answer is. Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky like it's the the anticipation for me is building because it gets because you could really make a case like a really thoughtful case for either guy to be the starting quarterback you could uh I I don't I think the decision was made when they signed Nick Foles I just think that the the coach the coach realizes that the quarterback he inherited cannot run his entire playbook and Nick Foles can and the coach realizes on top of that that the, the teaching method that he was using, the one that he saw work with Patrick Mahomes, was not working at all with Mitch Trubisky. And if he's got a playbook and one teaching method and he can't figure out how to teach him how to help Mitch Trubisky learn how to learn at the NFL level, and he talked about being a master of all coverages at the end of last season, at this point in his career, I think that decision was already made. This is a coach who wants to use all of his playbook and trust that his quarterback will know it, run it, and make the right decision. And I don't think he believes that that decision maker is Mitch Trubisky. But yeah, I do want to know what his choice is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't wait. And 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 you're right to that to that point. And this might be the coaching staff's last call to will they can can they, is there a tell in practice that shows the coaching staff that 
it's finally clicked for Trubisky. And that's a complicated exercise because of what we're talking about and how practice he's been good and it hasn't translated to the games. But is there some sort of tell that the coaching staff is looking at, okay, one last shot at this. Can Trubisky run my entire playbook? If that tell doesn't occur, then you're right. It's going to be Nick Foles because we've seen from Matt Nagy, no no matter how much he has talked about tearing pages out of the playbook and wanting to run more, he wants to run that damn offensive system of his. He, he wants right. to run, and and I'm pro. You know what I mean? Like right. Bears fans should still be pro. Matt Nagy run that offense the way he runs that offense because when it works, it works. It does. He he's going to bring out the entire portfolio. He's not he's not going to edit his artwork. He wants the entire portfolio <laughs> out there, and and you people are going to watch it, and that's the way it is. All right, we. We have to take a break unless we get a, uh, a breaking call sounder. Our phone number is 316. Oh, my. Uh-oh. It seems We've got a White Sox employee on the line. We, <laughs> that's our breaking phone call sounder. Someone actually, I think it's the first time in, in two weeks or three weeks that someone has dialed 312-644-6767. And and Julio, do you want to do the introductions? Julio Rousseau, Rousseau, our producer? Yes. You nailed it. It's Joe in St. Joe's, Michigan. He's on the score with... Joe with a town named after him. Welcome, St. Joe. Yeah, okay. So here's... Uh, you got two quarterbacks. Uh, you got a shortened uh, preseason. Doesn't that effectively split the number of reps that one quarterback would get? And doesn't that kind of eat into... Uh, the honing of the uh, whoever the quarterback is. Well, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Like you gotta, you need to name a starter in pretty short order, and in order for the starter to get the majority of the reps. Right now, I can tell you, there it is split down the middle, and then every once in a while, Tyler Bray throws a pass. Was there a, was there something you wanted to add to that, Joe? I mean, I'm not sure where that was going. They were going to split reps, no matter how many reps there were. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yes. Oh my no. Not not two in a row. We're on Whoa. a White Sox. We're we're on a back-to-back White Sox like home run binge. Is that Do we our... have anything to give away? I mean, like we should, I feel like we should be giving away stuff at this point. <laughs> we're we're giving away our airtime. So Julio, do the honors. Introduce us to the, the uh, caller. It's a, it's a day for Michiganders here on The Score. Let's go to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and say hi to Greg. Hey, welcome to The Score. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, it's Jim, uh, but it's Wake and Bake, so that, that works, and uh, it's back to back. Jim, can we call you Greg? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be Greg. Um you could be you Jim know, Greg, and you could off. just be a race, a race car driver. I'll do anything. Uh, Nagy's supposed to be offensive genius, and with this, with two quarterbacks, an offensive genius would throw them both at you. Even put them both on the field at the same time, make the defensive coordinators have to prepare for both, and just you just don't know who's trotting out there to throw what at you. I mean – they got to do something to get that offense going. Hell, just use them both. Use their strengths and just fastball, curveball, come at those defenses. I like the way All you right. talk, man. 
Yeah, hey, and you know what? And you know what? At, to his to to your point, to your point, Greg, I think that <laughs> I I would like to see the return of the Matt Nagy creativity. And I know a lot of people like it would seem like easy pickings, easy hot takes on Matt Nagy to be like, oh, get rid of all the cute stuff. This is ridiculous. He didn't do much of that last year. I'd like to see some of the cute stuff turn. And if that includes throwing Mitch Trubisky out there, lining him up inside or outside or doing or put him in the backfield, I think that'd yeah, be cool. Put him, put him as a running back that'll surprise you with the past. Um, you know, that first year, all the success and Nagy's uh, cutesy plays, uh, the gimmick plays, I heard explained one time as the offense was so screwed that he had to use those to get any production to where I thought we had some great thing going, but and last year just was horrible. But I, I hope they can make this offense go because – it's just not fair to that defense if they don't. Well, all right, Josh, Jim, thanks Jim, for the call. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, Greg, Josh. Yeah, Jim, Greg, yeah. Josh. Jim, yeah. Greg, The Josh. thing is about all those plays that Matt Nagy used in 2018, they worked. Uh-huh, they did. And then he tried to make Mitch Trubisky a pocket quarterback, and that didn't work. I mean, Trip, exactly. Nagy is not without fault here. And Nagy couldn't read the room. He didn't scout the guy. He didn't know who he had playing quarterback. And again, he's working off the, he's working off the syllabus of this is how I did it before with a guy who, by the way, was MVP and won the Super Bowl and all that. <laughs> this is, this is one of the most dynamic young quarterbacks the league has ever seen. And this is where I'm going to do it with a guy I inherited. And they're not the same people. You're not, you're not reading the room. You're not scouting. You're not doing the self scouting of what you need to do for that guy in front of you. Matt Nagy is at fault for not, a lot of times, for not being able to coach the game in front of him, and he's not coaching the player in front of him. I do think he has a better idea now what Mitch Trubisky can't do, and I think that was the impetus for bringing in Nick Foles. I think that's why he's hey, uh, Here's what I want to do. He can't do it. Sorry, Steve. A texter says that's enough phone calls for the day. Does Mitch Rosen have an 815 area code? Uh, <laughs> Shmilkis is a man of many burners. I'm sure Shmilkis has a burner phone that would be out in 815. But we have we have one phone number for two uses, 312-644-6767. That's the tech zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. That number will also set off Julio's breaking phone call sounder, so and he'll introduce you to us on the air since we get so few phone calls, and I think we may have seen examples why. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. With a shortened season and both the Cubs and Sox playing great baseball, the 2020 Crosstown Series will be more important than ever. And David drives one in the air to the center field fence. That ball is gone. Listen to Pat and Ron bring you all the action of every game here all weekend. Boy cracks this ball. Deep center field. Bring him home. Crosstown Series coverage on the score is brought to you by Xfinity. Xfinity XFi delivers blazing fast Wi-Fi with no curveballs. On Sports Radio 670, the score. Official radio home of the Chicago Cubs. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. I thought that there were some good decisions that he made with with um, with throws. There was a few where he was late. 
uh, on a couple routes as well. But Nick, the same thing. So the beauty of this game is that you teach off of your errors and we're going to do that, make sure that they understand it. And then tomorrow and the next day on those uh, particular routes, timing routes, they fix those and, and they come back and don't make that same mistake twice. That's Matt Nagy with a perfect example of Mark Brody's points. Both sides is them, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he Saturday has. Saturday suckage at its best. That's Matt Nagy not, trying not to give away the game plan. And and there he is. Yeah, everybody. And, and I don't have a favorite child. You know, I love all my children. I love the child who runs my playbook better, though. So... That's Matt Nagy. He was answering a question about Mr. Bisky, right? I think he knows that people think, whether it's reporters or fans, think that since he has a relationship with Nick Foles, uh-huh. as do most of his assistants have a strong relationship with Nick Foles, that he is not going to give it away that Foles might be his guy. It's like when you're the coach. Like you said, yeah. You're the you're the coach's son. You're not going to get favoritism. As a matter of fact, it may be harder on you. So yeah, he's Matt Nagy has been masterful, masterful at keeping us in the dark about being ambiguous about who his starting quarterback is. It, there's there's no way anybody could have any inclination based on what Matt Nagy has said. Maybe people have some opinion based on what they have seen. And when I say they, I mean my fellow reporters, brethren out there at Hallis Hall. But even that is has been tricky because, honestly, n- neither quarterback has stood out other than the other in the portions that we're allowed to watch. And the portions we're allowed to Oh, uh-oh. This is a record-setting setting day on Saturday suckage. We have a... That's our breaking phone call sounder. And despite the... Mitch, the Spilkis burner phone, that's enough phone calls for today. Julio, introduce Bachelor or Bachelorette number one. We travel to uh, the grateful red country of Madison, Wisconsin. We say hi to my good friend, Tim. He's on Saturday Suckage on the score. Tim, welcome. Hey, guys. Hey. How's it going? Dude, are you waking the bacon? Are you a WB Club member? Maybe. It's good. It sounds like Kobe's. It sounds like Toby's nephew. <laughs> it, it's. I'm playing a little, having a little fun with our friend. Uh huh. So oh, this is Toby. Hey man. God, hey guys. What's going on? You sound alert and alive and well. <laughs> How are you, sir? I know. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I well, think the Bears should uh, decide their quarterback decision. Based solely on who can throw the farthest. <laughs> okay. And this why is like back in the day when you had the, the long throw competition on the wide, wide world of sports. That's what's right. going yeah. on here. That's it. Punt, That's it. Punt. How about the whole, why don't we decide on punt, pass, and kick? We'll do that he, whole competition. Yeah, that would work. That would work. But then fat Andy Reid might win. Or might eat the football. <laughs> and then, then you'd have no more competition. That's just the way exactly. that works. Um, exactly. So, what prompted you to 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 give us a call, Toby? Oh, that you were taking phone calls, apparently. 
We always take them, just nobody <laughs> makes them. We even, it became such a thing, such a, a, a shock to the system that we had a breaking phone call sounder that you, you love. Yeah. You just played it. Guys, check a, me out a, here. I have to say yeah. that, that I think this is symbolic of, of where we are right now because we have gone from zero to 100 in terms of sports being back like a few weeks ago pre-baseball we're like is there going to be is there going to be sports there shouldn't be sports this is crazy we're never going to and here we are with not just sports but it's like a lot of sports and it's awesome because we've got cubs Sox, bears in the thick of a quarterback competition nba and the nhl firing on all cylinders here we are in a place that many people thought we wouldn't be so i think that the the phone calls are symbolic of a of a larger picture thing that here it is, guys. This is the moment. This is the cut the ribbon officially. We had the soft open. Here's the real open now. Sports is back, and so is Toby. Yeah. And so is Toby. So, so, so there's a possibility at some time in September. Would there be a possibility where you could watch all four sports in one day? And would that be a first? Holy cow, yes. I don't know if that would be a first. Or would all always, uh, five teams be playing it on one day? Oh, my God. That is so uh, No, I, I mean, I don't know when they're going to, you know, you could have the this. new NHL season. You could definitely season. have – you could have a you could have Cubs Sox playing on the same day the Bears are playing. No doubt about that. You could have the Bulls practicing in the fake bubble at some point in time. I don't know. Could the Blackhawks sneak in a, a practice or two? We shall no, see. Yeah. Um, I, no. <laughs> no. And unfortunately, unfortunately, they cannot sneak in a, a coach firing because they're not going to do that either. So that's bad news there. But they're, <clears throat> but a majority of the sports will be active in September. So happy Labor Day to you. Toby, thanks for the call. We appreciate Checking in. Steve, are you running a fan over there? What's going on? I hear something. I'm, okay. I'm not. I'm not running a fan. That was just the bong. It was. Uh, it was being worked over. So. Okay. We were. That's okay. We, as long um, as it's just the bong. Yeah. We will take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Jim Margallis of um, Sox Machine, and we'll talk about the the um, the level of accomplishment, the 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 home runs, the the all or nothing kind of Sox life that this is this season and how he's good or bad or how he's dealing with that. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Mully and Hall, Chicago's sports morning show. Yohan Moncada feeling a little zinger in his hamstring. A little zinger? What does a little zinger mean? I'm triggered. I thought it was a little snack treat, a zinger. I, I did too. Like, you know, one of those little uh, nicely decorated, you know, chocolate <laughs> treats. Mully and Hall, mornings 5 to 9 a.m. on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.